What do you got there? Coffee? What are you doing? I am. I have. I have. I like to mix my stimulants with my depressants. Oh, you know, I always hear that never goes wrong. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Every single time. <laughs> Every single time. This, All right, so. this is because I was tired, and this is so I can talk about soccer. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how they're broken down. Coffee for exhaustion. You know, it's like a game. You know those little kids, they put the round peg in the round hole? The round mm-hmm. hole is for coffee, and that's where I go when I'm tired. Booze, it's also round, but it goes in a different hole. <laughs> From the Straight Red Plex, it is, of course, Straight Red. I'm your host, Jeff Ross, and with me, as always, the self-proclaimed king of the mountain people, (laughs) Alex S. Yeah. Alex, how are the mountain people? They're they're great. First of all, I I feel like we can break down the Jeff intros into king of the whatevers and then other things. I feel like that's that's a natural breaking point that we can work with. And sort of live within. Um, Sounds like you're dancing around your kingdom right now. Yeah, I'm a redneck. Answer, I think that's what you're trying to say. I think you're trying to say I'm a redneck, which I would also say. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I was calling you a hillbilly in a very polite way. A hick. Yeah, that's uh, we're we're Appalachian Americans. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, but <laughs> never say that in my life. <laughs> never happening. Uh, um, but um, but yeah, I was home recently over Thanksgiving, and when I came back, for those of you. Who are new to the podcast yeah. starting at episode 49, yeah. home like you for Alex Kibler, is literally a hole in a hill. It's close. You're close. You're closer you than you might realize. under damp ground. Jeff, you need to come to Big <laughs> Stone Gap, Virginia. It'd be incredible. Anyway, um, that'd be a heck of a road trip. Um, but I came back, and it was 10 hours from New York City. In a car. Oh my God. Yeah, bro. It's not cool. It takes me five hours to get down to you. Yeah. No, so you 15 hours. Nah, forget it. I'm not going. Oh, or I'll fly. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my private jet. But yeah, so yeah. I came back, you know, and my travel was pretty bad. I, I My plane got diverted to Philadelphia and all this other stuff. But and I was really mad and I was talking to my manager and she sort of cocked her head and I was like, I'm sounding like super redneck right now, aren't I? And I was like, man, we had to land that plane in Philly and I couldn't even, yeah. I don't think it was like that, but it was probably close. <laughs> Your Alex Kibler impression of Alex Kibler is pretty close. Spot on, I gotta right? give credit. Yeah. I gotta, gotta give credit. I also like how casually mentioning my manager makes it sound like you're a Hollywood person. Like, yeah. I had to speak to my, my manager my real agent. quick. <laughs> My agent said, "Explain yeah. why I was late for the shoot." I it's didn't know like, that make was you, the, uh, your manager the at work. Gala. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they let you into anything described as a gala? They have. It didn't go well. I want photos. <laughs> the one that I have what is gala incredible. were you invited to? <laughs> I don't remember, but I got drunk. Well, that might be why you don't remember. Yeah, probably. I mean, Alex. Yeah, this is our last episode, Jeff. We we have successfully put this mediocrity on the air for forty nine straight weeks. Can you believe that? Does it feel I like a can't. day over sixty weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I am surprised it made it beyond four. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's impressive. That's impressive. I am a bit disappointed in us that what we weren't paying attention and we chose our last episode of the season to be episode 49 rather than the more natural episode 50. Yeah. <sighs> Such as We life. could force it. We could do an additional week and then people could just put up with it. So uh, for those uh, gingers out there who are shedding tears, it's only the end of season one. There We're will be. A season two of Straight Red Pod on January 19th. Yes, that's a Tuesday, Gingers. We're changing days. Switching days. We're Next switching year. days. Yeah. Um, yeah. In order to better reflect on the games of the previous week, I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. And this was requested, what, like week three that yeah, we yeah. changed like, it? Why are you on Friday? <laughs> we, we, wrote, we wrote it out. It's we like when you're out. That- so we're like bad boss and you try to give like the bad feedback on Fridays right before they go home and sort of ruins your weekend. That's us. That's, that's every week. Every week, we ruin weekends. Every week, 
So circle that on your calendar, Gingers. Circle January 19th, 2016. That is after the MLS Super Draft, where your favorite borderline test tube baby, Alex Kibler, will attend. I will. I'll be there in force by myself. How was that a force? <laughs> Beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. You can meet Alex Kibler in person and say, why are you in Baltimore in January? Uh, no human being should go through that. If they did this thing in a warm weather location, I'd go. But oh, I'm yeah. not going. Bro, like Miami Beach. Why don't they do it like in Miami? I don't know. Go to Miami. Go to Arizona. Go to, go, go to Los Angeles where you have a massive presence anyway. Go someplace where it's warm in January. They're dumb. They can't be bothered. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, but you'll be there. You'll be there. It'll be very exciting. Because this is the last episode because the last thing of the season happened. It was the MLS Cup. Yeah. It has all been leading to this moment. Here we oh, are. We- oh. On the precipice of greatness and history. Mm. Oh. Both. Both of those things. The precipice. Mm-hmm. That means when mm-hmm. you're overlooking it. I know what a precipice is. Okay. I have a master's degree. Don't you dare speak down to me. Gingers. <laughs> I went to movie school. It's a fake degree. Gingers, anyway, go ahead. Columbus Crew, one, Portland Timbers, two, Cascadia's oh, first my. MLS Cup goes to the Portland Timbers. Congratulations, Portland. But I have a question, Alex. Yeah. When we did a show before this MLS Cup, yeah, didn't we? Didn't, didn't we? Didn't we pick winners on this? We did. You picked Dallas. I don't believe so. <laughs> I recall you. You went with the hashtag. I went with hashtag new crew. Yeah, and I put the commentator's curse game. on Ethan Finley, who had a terrible game, by the way. But he really did. Yeah. He really did. You and. Some people online were cyberbullying me. <laughs> if that's still a term, I don't know if I think it is. Anymore. Yeah, they were we should bring it back for you. Me. Yeah, for getting off of the hashtag new crew bandwagon, because I picked your 2015 MLS Cup champion Portland Timbers to win this match, and not only that, Alex. Yeah, you picked the score. Congratulations! I picked Jeff. them to win two. If I hadn't, one. if I hadn't stopped counting the points thirty weeks ago, thousand dollars. <laughs> if I hadn't stopped counting the points of the season totals about thirty <laughs> weeks ago, I would go back sure. and total it all up. But um, I would really like to know, Gingers. Here's your homework. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm sure I lost. Terribly, all you have to but... do. Here's what we do. You crowd. You crowdsource it. So. Gingers, you all pick one week and you listen to the end of the episode and compare it to the results, and then you text us or email we us. Just, we we used to pick all of the games, and then we stopped doing that, and we only picked like a couple. <laughs> yeah, you know, Numbers like the pros do. Be, we want, be we wanted that bias, like ESPN has. Anyway, I want to I want to bask in the glory of my perfect pick. Yeah, and this settles it. That not only does Alex owe me. $700,000. The war on Alex will continue into 2016 because he failed to pick the MLS Cup winner. Unabated. Unabated. Uh, so you all watch this, Gingers. We all know you did. You know, I, I, we, we don't have to go minute by minute through this thing. But Portland came out screaming. Well, here's the thing. This is the game that I, I was thinking about this earlier today. I can't remember saying, holy crap so much in a single soccer game in a long time. Maybe maybe the 4-4 or whatever it was with NYCFC in Toronto in the middle of the year. That was a crazy game. And 6-4 DC RSL, that was a crazy game too. But in terms of the scene, the types of goals that were scored, the types of misses that happened, the near chances, Oof. you really can't top this kind of thing. And it got off to a crack and start. Steve Clark thinks he's Pele, and he's going to sort of play this little sort of half dummy to himself. <laughs> Gets absolutely punished for it. Rightfully punished for it. Fastest goal. MLS Cup history. What, 27 seconds? Something like that? Something obscene. What a howler. That was... Oof. Something that you said, though, in the lead up to this, Mm -hmm. is that... And I think we both mentioned it, is 
the aggression level and the athleticism level of Portland Timbers and the type of game that they play. Diego Valeri made good on that minute one. Minute, minute one, one of this match, the aggression of Portland Timbers pays off. Oh, and, and, and they're always ready for that. If you're going to give them that inch, they're taking it. Like, yeah. the, the, and, and it's been that way for quite some time. Uh, and Delego, and Delego. Oh my goodness, that's a cool Diego name. <laughs> Delego, who had been who had been injured for some time, but once he came back and got got match fit, looked like he did when he first signed. I mean, he he, he looked fantastic. He was he deserved the MVP award, which he got from this MLS Cup. Portland legitimately won this. Now, there's a lot of talk about that second goal that they got, and I understand it. It was out of bounds. Well, and, and more importantly, there's a, there's a view that got tweeted out where it's sort of looking from, I guess it would be from Portland's goal towards the play, and you can see the assistant referee, and he's not looking at the ball. Like, you can mm-hmm. see that he literally is just not looking. He's just looking, he he's looking at the back line to see them play the ball forward, I guess. And then so he turns that- after it's back in bounds again. So the ball goes out of bounds. By like a yard and a half. Oh, it's clear. It, it, it's not like, this isn't a... It's not a borderline oh, call. No, it, it's out. Yeah. <laughs> the ball's out. But uh, as everyone always says, like, hey, you keep playing until the whistle blows, yeah. which this that's tough. my... Yeah, but that's my criticism of the crew response. Me too. See those guys lifting their hands up, being like, where's our call? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you need to keep going. And... It goes out of bounds. A Portland player tries to pass it in. There's a crew interception that happens, and then that person gets dispossessed. They had the ball yeah, after exactly. it was out of bounds, yeah. and they lost it because they were too busy trying to fight with the assistant referee, and you give up a goal. But that's, that's the work rate of Darlington Nagby at work, and that's the crossing quality of Lucas Milano. A lot of people were critical of having Lucas Milano in the I still am, 11. but he's going to be a stud next season. He is. He very much is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot, I mean, let's not forget that, um, Columbus lest crew, sorry, lest we forget Columbus crew had a couple of chances. They had, they were too cute for me through the whole game. They only managed, <laughs> they only managed one shot on goal in the entire match, which is just pathetic. Frankly, they had an, some oh, good yeah. crosses where it's just, they tried to do too much instead of taking the obvious shot. Adam Kawarse is not known for his Panther-like ball-grabbing ability. He's not a Tim Howard where he can take any shot that comes at him and snare it. He spills a lot of uh, rebounds. And Columbus did not take advantage of that at all, in the least. They didn't. They didn't. But I don't think it was a lack of game planning. I think they weren't... They just... They just weren't ready for Portland. I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, And Portland was, they showed up ignoring the fact that um, the statistics were saying that Columbus had like a 60% chance of winning this game. Uh, Until this match, only one home team has lost an MLS Cup in their their own stadium. And it was, of course, New England. But only one (laughs) team has done it. Yeah. Uh, New England is special. They've been to the MLS Cup five times. They've lost five times. Like, they're, they're like the Buffalo Bills of MLS Cup. Yeah, they really are. They really are. They're the only team that has gone to multiple MLS Cups and not won any of them. <laughs> no one else can say that. Uh, anyway, then we're getting off track. So, so everyone would have assumed that a home team would win here, but but Portland never got the memo and they showed up entirely to win. I think that was built from the fact that they came. I mean, they barely made it to the playoffs. They, they 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 squeaked in because LA, I guess, fell apart. By I guess, I mean, I saw it with my own eyes, and it was terrifying. But they fell apart, and they got their momentum. They squeaked in. They went through the knockout round straight through. At that point, like, what are you afraid of? You've, yeah. you've already gone through the fire, and it, like nothing matters. Well, and to your point. point, you're not afraid to play your game. I mean, Portland Timber. Portland Timbers finished with less than 40% possession. They, they were active at the beginning. They poached a couple of goals. Uh, and then they do what they do best, which is sit back, be compact, let Borchers, uh, let Ridgewell go to work, let you know Diego Chara blow things up in the midfields. And it worked. It worked. How good was this Portland defense? Borchers, they're, they're Ridgewell, they look fan- Oh, I know. Yeah. They looked fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, uh Liam Ridgewell came to this league, according to him at least, 
to win championships. Well, that here we out. are. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's played on a lot of teams. Yeah. Uh, and for a long time. But he never he's never played for, like, winners. And yeah. by that, I mean league winners. You show up in MLS, you get, a, you get an MLS Cup for a season. Must seem easy to him from his perspective. Yeah. You know, here's the thing, though, too. Um, I thought in large parts that Columbus had probably the better run of play in the first half. Um, that, for me, evaporated in the second half. They looked listless. They sort of ran out of ideas, I think. They possessed the ball and were active without really creating a ton. Um, you know, so I – there were some crazy moments where Portland was, was unlucky not to go up. I mean, there were two goal oh, line plays goodness. that were both just outrageous – I shared Taylor Twellman's response, like, how does this, huh? it, it, like, it bounces <laughs> in, it hits the inside of the post, and it doesn't, it doesn't cross the line. And it didn't. I, they showed, like, ten angles of that replay. It didn't cross the line. And it was astonishing. With a little bit also, of help uh, from Michael Parkhurst's arm, I think. I was about to say, they also got lucky there. That should have been a handball. It well, wasn't. Well, you know, my thing is... You're standing Don't there. Don't you dare. The ball's coming down, and it hits you on the shoulder, on a place on your shoulder where I think if your bo- your hand was behind your back, it still would have hit you. So for me, if, it if his arm was out and it had hit his hand, that would have been a different conversation. Well, um, we're going to split hairs on that, but I will say this. Re- regardless of how, what you feel should have happened, that's still lucky because that was it not his intent. 100% lucky, yes. Very much so. That should have gone in, and this, this could have been bad. Well, what, what hurt Columbus, and it's obvious to anybody watching the game, you were down two goals with it before then you reached the half-hour mark. Then you're chasing. And then you have to go against that super compact, really organized back line we- of Portland Timbers. Good luck. You need to score three goals against this team now. Yeah. You've got 60 minutes to do it. It's it's tough. Like, I know you're at home. I know you got Kai Kamara. I know you're a good team. But, like, that's that's a tall order in this league. And it's against, against a team that has had a defense, at least through the playoffs. Like, they're not letting anything through. Yeah. Nobody's getting by. Uh, the, the only reason there was a Columbus goal is because Adam Quarse made, a, unusual for him, a mistake. Yeah. You know, he... he this is once again we, we've had tied this conversation quite a bit in the playoffs mm-hmm. if that ball is hanging up in the air for that long long and you're a goalkeeper in this league where you yeah. know how physical people are either go get it or get fouled i mean it's one or the other you've got to go okay. do something that ball was in the air it literally was just sort of floating there for about three seconds you've got to do something yes kai has is big and physical duh but you have to go for it you I, have to I, go I, I, or, I, and make them foul you <clears throat> He hesitated for a half second too long, and that was the end. That, that, that's what did it. Like There was just this moment where I think he believed one of his defenders was going to get under this thing, and there was that hesitation, and, and that, that was it. And that's, all, and that's all Columbus needs, by the way, to score a goal. They just need you to just be just a step off, and it's over. But end of the match, Portland Timbers victorious. Columbus crew in tears in Columbus because Ohio as a state is cursed. <laughs> You're never going to win Ohio anything. State's done, Ohio State's done very well for themselves. They have, yes. <laughs> but uh, Ohio, oh, I'm so sorry. I will say this, though. This Columbus crew team, this Greg Berhalter coached team, I still think is very good, and I still think – can be dangerous next season. I'm not. I'm not gonna make a preseason pick for MLS Cup. It's way too early. But uh, I will it's make astonishingly too early. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a very good U.S. Open Cup run, though. That would not shock me. And, would not and sh- lest we forget, Gingers, the there fourth and final team from Concacaf to qualify for the Concacaf Champions League. U.S. Open Cup winner. <laughs> oh, that's a bold pick. I'm going to write that down. No, I don't think that. I didn't take that pick. Don't put okay, that down. Fair enough. <laughs> not take that pick. So, uh, wait, great match. I want to say this one thing before we move on to other topics. Yep. I thought it was very cool that the city of Portland had a parade for the Portland Timbers victory. Kudos that was cool. to the city of Portland. That, that's, that's what I hope eventually any city that hosts an MLS team would do for its tenants. You know, I believe that any Cascadia team that would happen for them – um, potentially I, Toronto. You think Newark would have one for Red Bulls? <laughs> you know, if they were I'm sorry, to Red it, Bulls fans. I'm sorry. That's a that's a joke. That was me. They could probably get it. 
Honest to God. I think so. Call Newark. This goes back to like episode one of this podcast. (laughs) The Red Bulls wouldn't want that. No. But I think the city of Newark would do it. The city of New York is not going to care. (laughs) Correct. They don't care care about anything. It's cool. That's all right. Oh, my goodness. But but, but, uh, related to Portland news, Jorge Villafania. Yeah. Got to do it right. I spelled it. I texted you with the Inye, right? I did notice you did put the Inye in there. Thank you. Thank you. Your commitment to accuracy is admirable. (laughs) Uh, Uh Great season from Jorge. Yes. And this is one of the cast-offs from Chivas USA when that imploded. And he was also part of that... What is it called? Sueño? It's, it's, it's this like reality TV show thing on Univision that I've never seen. Wait, but it's what? like for teenagers who want to be, like, be soccer stars and you do this thing and you get a contract and you become like a homegrown player for MLS. Never seen in my life, but it's a show that exists. And he won that years ago at like age, I don't know, 15, 16 or something. So he's got like a good story about like how he got into the league and all that. Great season. Phenomenal season, as I reminded folks last episode, and I'll tell you again, is an American and is eligible to play for the United States. Just putting that out there. The strong word right now, by the time you listen to this, Junior's, it may have already happened, is that he is on his way to Santos Laguna. Alex Soccer Kibler, your thoughts? You know, I, I think for the perception of the league, it's good to have a successful player in MLS, go and play in an, in a bigger league. You know, the thing you can argue about the overall talent level of, of League MX is very top heavy. Um, you know, but it can't be bad to see a player come from an MLS team and go and hopefully succeed at a club in in League MX. Um, you know, Santos Laguna is not one of the big traditional names. In Liga MX, it's not at a Club America or a Pumas or what have you, or a Chivas. But that being said, it can't be bad for the league. Now, you're Mr. Viafania, mm-hmm. 26 years old. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go and have that adventure, this is the time. You're in arguably what people call the prime of your career. I I wonder if though this is this is my takeaway from this. I wonder if the the new and we're going to get to this in a few minutes, Gingers. If the new Tam uh, rules had been out, if he hadn't have been offered something from one of the MLS clubs, because I think being a, a left back that attacks as well as Viafania does is not super common in this league. So. It's not. Uh, you know, he he had four assists on the year from the left back position, um, which you don't see. You don't see that often. So, you know, I, I I wonder if that had happened in a different order. If you might be seeing him stay in MLS, but I think it can't be bad for either party involved. I just hope he gets minutes. If, That's all you hope. You hope that yeah. kid gets minutes. If 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 I was Jorge Viafania, you take the deal because you're 26. Mm-hmm. That's why you take it. If you have any ambitions to play elsewhere. You know, you want to play Mexico, you want to play in Europe, you want to do whatever it is you're going to do. And someone comes around and says, like, hey, we'll absolutely pay you to do this. Yeah, do it. And I've said this about a bunch of other players and, in you know, coaching talent and all that. MLS will more than likely take you back. So if, if it doesn't work out, you know, you, you do your year, your two years, your three years or whatever. And if you're, you're like 29 um, and, and you realize, hey, there's not a future here for me. I have a feeling there will be an MLS side that needs you. Yeah. I just – and we see it time and time again. Sure. Uh, Kai Kamara was one of these guys who went to England and then came back after a couple seasons, like two. Uh, just go for it. Just go try it out. And, you know, if you need to come back, you need to come back. You're, my you, one issue here is the rumor right now as far as what the transfer fee to me sounds low. And they're saying it's less than a million dollars. You can get more than that. 100% you can get more like, than that. I feel like Portland can get more for Jorge Viafania. I agree. I'm not saying they're getting robbed. They're not getting robbed. I feel like you could get at least a million bucks for him. And in a team that is 
they probably won't like hearing it, but you're still like a small market team if you're the Portland Timbers. I know they have money, but it's a small market. A million dollars goes pretty far. <laughs> it really, really does. Uh, they could use it. Not that there's other teams that don't, but you're, you don't have the backing like L.A. has or Toronto has where you apparently have infinite money, like nothing matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portland has a budget. They, they can't, they can't like, just buy anybody. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of these – Here's a deal from Santos Laguna, but more importantly, Jorge Villafania specifically wants to go there. And we're, we want to be in like good relations with Jorge Villafania. Also, I wouldn't be surprised. Jorge has ambitions for national team minutes, and he knows that, hey, if I can actually get time in a bigger league, it's even more likely that I'm going to I'm going to play. Jurgen will very much pay attention to that. I think so, too. But as we alluded to earlier, Gingers, there have been significant changes to something called targeted allocation money. Let me quickly go through the 30-second version of what this is. This is going to be great. Everyone we sit work, down, scrap in We work in a hard salary cap league. Um, MLS has a very firm salary cap. It gets around this for certain high-name players with what's called the designated player rule, the, the rule that brought David Beckham here, the rule that currently employs names such as Steven Gerrard, David Villa, and so on. Um, what was missing before were the middle salaries. It was very difficult to have... You would often see teams that had a bunch of superstars and a bunch of guys making minimum wage. (laughs) That was sort of what MLS was for a long time. TAM came around to try to help this a little bit. It was basically $100,000 per year over the course of five years that would allow you to basically take a player's salary and put it underneath the salary cap and actually allow you to use it all in one year. You could actually use $500,000 in one year and take a player from, you know, roughly a million down underneath the salary cap, which is a big deal. Uh, you can get a very high quality player for a million dollars a year in, in soccer. Um, what has happened is the league has announced over the last couple of days a massive increase in this funding. Uh, this target allocation money to bring those players under the salary cap, otherwise known as TAM, you'll hear us refer to it from that uh, from now on, um, has increased to an additional $800,000 per year, per year, Jeff. What this allows is some names that maybe don't really merit, you know, a caca type of contract to come here and get it, be able to play for a couple of years, and hopefully you'll see additional funds made, being made available at that point. Um, true or false, this is just so that the Galaxy can keep Omar. <laughs> <laughs> False. Remember how Although I said that the league makes rules to help the galaxy false. out? False. Because as I said at the time, and yeah. I'll say again now, yeah. this applies to every team. Every team has that <laughs> money. I still think LA should look into selling Omar. I mm-hmm. think he's great, but I think mm-hmm. you get a lot from an overseas You really team. would get a ton of money, yes. Especially like a championship side, like Redding or something, they would pay. I think anyway. I'm getting distracted. Eight hundred grand, Alex, per year that is enormous. It is huge. Enormous. You're gonna see what what else can we refer to them as mid range players? I don't know what term we're ultimately gonna use. But these guys who like maybe you've heard of them before, you know, you know they're good, but they're not they're not quote unquote world class. They're not they're not the the, the best in their position, but they're great in their position. You're going to see these guys showing up. You're going to see these guys who have names you've heard of, guys who you're like, oh, how are we going to hold on to this person? You're going to find a way because this is going to allow you to actually be competitive. But I I said this in the pre-show. I'll say it again, and I don't care who hears it. All of these crazy rules, why aren't they just increasing the salary cap? I agree. I I, I don't get – if you're going to do something this huge – Eight hundred. Just increase the salary cap by eight hundred thousand dollars. To play devil's advocate to this, someone has to. To your argument, I would argue that if your goal is to specifically bring over the type of talent that you would get w- under this rule, this rule would do it better than increasing the salary cap. There's there's nothing keeping an MLS team from just paying a bunch of hundred thousand dollar players, like a bunch of hundred thousand dollar players. 
and not spending that money on a bigger name. I think this encourages teams to spend that money on maybe, you know, not a not a Frank Lampard per se, but a mixed discaroo, to quote sort of an NYCFC example. A, a player who's not going to garner a $5 million a year contract, but one who, without this rule in place, really wage demands don't really work out in this league. So if that's your goal, if your goal is to bring those guys into the league, this rule is fairly effective at doing that. And, and, and that is the intent behind it. And you're trying to force a very specific way of how they're managing their rosters. And there's a lot of reasons why the league would want it to be this way specifically. A lot of it has to do with parity of talent between uh, the teams. A lot of it has to do with you've got these homegrown players, which, by the way, this new uh, TAM, I called it a ruling, this new TAM rule <laughs> or allocation or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, is paired along with an increase in investment and development in homegrown players. But you want to convince teams like i'm gonna pay for this kid to get developed but also i'll be able to keep him because he'll be good you know i'll be able to pay him for a few years instead of i can have this player for a year or two and then i'm basically forced to sell him overseas because i can't put him on a dp contract but he should be getting paid more than he's getting paid you won't find yourself in that situation this may help teams uh in Concacaf champions league because you'll have proper depth on your squads instead of your only talent being your starting 11, which is true of a lot of teams, like those are the only good players that they have, you would have a starting 11, but then you have a bench that is also starter-worthy. Like They can also play. You have a bench full of Alan Gordons. Everybody can play. Uh, th- those, are, those are important things. But the reason why I think it should just be a salary cap increase is that this should give more power to individual teams to manage their roster sure. how they choose to. That's very fair. And this will show a real difference of, are, does your team have a good GM or not? Can you make good signings or not? Are you a team that you actually can find a player that you're going to spend something crazy for, like $10 million, but that actually does lift your team, and that is enough to make it out? You should be allowed to make those kinds of decisions. I, I think, and, and you're not. In this scenario, you're just not. You're still seeing the remnants of the old let's just not have this thing fail model of MLS Mm -hmm. back when survival was mission one and everything else was mission two. And I think eventually you'll see them sort of release a little bit on that kind of thing. But right now, it's still a matter of making teams spend the money the way that Don Garber wants them to spend the money. That, that's what it is. You're very right. It, it, it is entirely a financial responsibility thing. And as much as I want there to be more freedom here, I do still think a lot of these limits are good. Because if you look at a lot of the European leagues, obviously most guys are looking at the Premier League. But if you look at a lot of European leagues, it's like, yeah, the top teams are doing great financially. Everybody else is like drowning in debt, going out of business. You see this all the time. Um, and because in those countries, football is king, you don't worry about an individual club all that much. Just, just as an organization, you don't, you don't really worry about it. But in our country, where soccer is charitably the fifth sport... <laughs> If if you if you close up shop like that could be it <laughs> you know like yeah. that could be the whole yeah, thing hundred percent that could be the whole thing mm-hmm. um, it's not as dire as it was as recently as I'd say like ten years ago where every season it was like is this is this going to happen like are we still going to do this now it feels more stable but I don't believe all of these teams are making profit and I think a lot of what keeps it running is the fact that it is centrally organized but I. I'm an impatient person like a lot of the, the fans are. I want to see this opened up. I want to see the salary cap increase. But a lot of that is because there are teams now with ownership groups and ambitions. They're like, this, this team could get all of the big names if they were allowed to do it. <laughs> you know? And I know I talk about this with the Adidas deal specifically. There are some teams that could probably get their own shirt deal their own yeah you know their own, that is worth more to that individual team than whatever it is that they're getting from the adidas deal right yep, now 100 percent. like can, can you imagine what seattle could get or la could get or either of the new york teams could get if they said like hey money. folks tons of money but then the counter is what does rsl get <laughs> you know what do these teams get they get and those, it's, those it's a lot companies tough. you've never heard of and they look ridiculous look like their high school team out there it's like, oh, I got that Lotto uh, jersey. <laughs> okay. Right now there's somebody who's a fan of our show who works for Lotto. It's like, hey, 
Hey, how dare you? How dare he? What? How? How? We're 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 legitimate. How? Do, how can he do this to us? We're better than Puma. No, you're not. No, you no, you are. Kind of went to like a Rolf from the Muppets voice there. Listen, I'm very talented, and thank you for the compliment. But in other news, yeah, <laughs> related to the league, yeah, man, there were a bunch of announcements because we're in off season now. Yeah, we're in off. It's crazy season. <sighs> Love it. MLS has announced that they're planning on going to. 28 clubs. Alex Kibler, your thoughts? I think it can't be bad. Now, here's the question. Well, it can't be bad, but what are your thoughts? I don't think 28 can be bad. But what I was going to say was, is that at some point, though, you got to figure out where you realistically can stop. You yeah. know, at some point, you're going to have to change scheduling to facilitate a league of this size and make it more like NFL, where you play your own conference far more than you, which we already do, but sort mm-hmm. of re up on that. Um, play your own conference a lot more. But, you know, the, the other argument here is that you have, you have a lot of markets out there that once soccer becomes a ma- mature property, in this country, a mature product mm. that should have an MLS team. But in this era of expansion, I think you're going to see the right ownership group crop up in a smaller city come to the plate and say, hey, we're Sacramento. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. Hey, we're San Antonio, Texas. This is what we're doing. Despite the fact that you have St. Louis without a team, despite the fact that you have Charlotte, North Carolina without a team, you have San Diego without a team, you have – a lot of major metropolitan areas without teams, you sort of wonder what happens when those cities come calling. You do wonder, and you, you make a good point, like where, where is the edge? NFL's 32 teams. Do you want to go that far? Like, Do you want that many teams? Um, how much expansion do you want to do? As I'm sure you can imagine, I have a lot of thoughts about it. So let's just make it me time now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So first of all, uh, we're at 20. We're going to 24, right? So LAFC's coming in. That's a known. Atlanta's coming in. That's a known. Minnesota United's coming in. That's a known. Uh, the date on that hasn't been decided, but it will be any day now. And it looks more and more likely that Miami's getting its act together. Yeah. That gets you to 24 teams. So you got four slots. Realistically, there's four teams we're talking about. Sacramento is just waiting for the green light. They've already got the stadium approval plan. They've got it all figured out. They have a team. They have support. They have fans. It's just a matter of someone saying, yes, you have a team. Uh, they'll get one of these, one of these four. Uh, San Antonio already has a stadium, a stadium that's designed to be expanded. They were recently purchased by the San Antonio Spurs that know a little thing about running a sports franchise in San Antonio. Built-in rivals in Texas. It's only a matter of time. I, I just think those are two teams that are just, they're ready to go. The question to me is, who are those other two teams? I think there's only two slots, realistically, that are open right now for those 28. St. Louis would be great. This has been a problem for ages. It's an ownership problem. And I, I need to remind some gingers, not all of you, but some gingers of this. It's not that MLS is giving a city a team. They are giving a ownership group a team. There needs to be someone who owns the team. Yeah. And if without that, you could have the best fans ever. You, you need to have someone who's actually going to pay the $100 million expansion fee and then probably another $100 million just to get the team off the ground, you know, just to make it happen. You need to, you need to have a soccer-specific state now, which in some parts of the country will cost you like $200 million just to build a building. And then we, and then we have to have training facilities. You have to do all this stuff. You need a USL team that either is yours or your affiliate. There's all this other stuff you need to do, and it costs a fortune. It costs a fortune. And right now, who in St. Louis is going to do that? And who in Charlotte is going to do it? Or, or Raleigh? You, you need these people. But man, I would love to see a St. Louis team. The Midwest needs another team. I think so, too. And St. Louis would be perfect. And since they are almost certainly about to lose the Rams, they have an area where they used to have a stadium. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to go there if they lose the Rams? Soccer, yay! Boy, that'd be a big one. The Edward James Jones seats, what, like 65,000? A nice, intimate stadium. Yeah. For soccer. You take the roof off, you take whatever the upper uh, level is of, the, of, the, uh, of that stadium. Now you got, what, 30? Not bad. There you go. 
that's my fix for St. Louis. You're welcome. You're a genius. I'm so glad you're I here today. But your other point, where do you win this? What do you do next? Here's my proposal that no one will like. Once you hit the 28 teams, there will be other people asking. Like you said, San Diego is going to put something together. There's, there's other cities you're like, oh, we really should have a presence here. Uh, and, and that would be great. Uh, why don't you do this? This is also something I propose to the NFL. Why don't you do this? You say, you know what? We're going to go to 40 teams, but it's going to be two separate leagues. There's going to be MLS and what I'm right now calling MLS 2. Oh. And you would... You would own both (sighs) leagues, and that would be how you would solve your promotion and relegation problem because they would all be under the same ownership umbrella, and teams would move up and down between those two leagues. So it would be cheaper to buy in at the lower level MLS, and it would be the same. You'd do the same TV deal. You do the same. Like So everybody's sharing. Everybody's getting the same dollars that they were getting before, and you have a shot, and you know you'll never go lower than level two. That's my solution. I think and then you could have like forty teams. I think that idea has merit. I think it might be a tough it's, sell. It's never going to happen. But that's no. my solution. I think that's a good idea, Jeff. You should run for commissioner. Is it an elected office? No. <laughs> if it wasn't Don Garb, if it was Don Garber, wouldn't be our commissioner. If oh, you mean if fans elected it? Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Fans I believe are fickle the, people. I believe ownership elects their commissioner. And I believe, I believe that they're very do. happy because I have a feeling he's making them a lot of dollars. A there's, lot there's of just, dollars. If, if MLS itself owned the lower league, I think they'd be more open right. to the idea of promotion and relegation. A lot I of it is like you have no control over what happens in this other league. Yes, exactly. I think that that, that concept is, is, is sound in terms of that's the only way or one of the only ways that you might ever be able to convince them to really have pro-rel. I still think we're a ways away from pro-rel. Um, but that being said, that idea has more merit than a lot that I've heard. So, Yeah. And then you could see a team like Cincinnati can show up. You know, you, 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 could, you could have these uh, Detroit FC, which has a team. Like, you could have these other things in the lower league, and they could just play Charles their way up. battery, yeah. Charles mm-hmm. They could just play their way up. Yeah. It's like, oh, there you go. And if they wanted to be involved for the inaugural whatever, you have to pay some <laughs> ridiculous fee to be involved. But once Legitimate you're in, question. Great. Legitimate question. Do, does the ownership... Last two. You just kick them out. Does okay, the cool. ownership group of... The New York Cosmos petition for one of those two slots for 28 teams. Okay. If I was the ownership group of the New York Cosmos, I would do it just to get on people's cases. Because I know they're not going to give New York three teams. Yeah. Like they're, they're not going to do it. But I would do it just to show, like, hey, we're willing to cooperate. Like, we're willing to be a part of the whatever. Uh, just to be a thorn in their side. And so you can say... To your fan base and to everybody else, like, hey, hey we, we tried. Were, yeah, we tried. We were willing to play ball. Right. Yeah. And they turned us down. I would do it entirely for like promotional reasons. Well, when <laughs> they it. when they made the decision not to go to MLS, the the wage rules were far far more restrictive than they are now. I, oh yeah. You know that was the argument. The argument was always, "Don't tell us how to spend our money." Mm-hmm. And now you can put. A pretty competitive team on the field monetarily, way more so than you were able to do previously. Um, so I'm wondering if, if at some point they don't regret that decision. You know, I don't think they're necessarily going to regret that decision, but I would just be a thorn in MLS's side and say, like, yep, here's our paperwork. And we, they'd all be filled out correctly. <laughs> Whatever the standards are, we would do it all. Uh, like, they have, a, they have a stadium proposal. It's still holding in a committee somewhere in Long Island, but, like, they have all these ambitions. And I keep hearing rumors of this. I have no idea if it's true, but they're paying salaries that are way higher than a normal MLS team would be paying. Like, they're, they're really paying these folks who are out there playing um who knows if that's true i have no idea we don't have access to their numbers so i guess then the question becomes if that's true and if those salaries now fit within the newer systems including tam and so on and so forth oh is it interesting to you it's interesting to you of course yeah. it is i mean you're you 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 play in a crappy lacrosse stadium in front of six thousand people 
You know what I'm saying? Like you, you frankly, you need that TV money. You need the prestige, which is hilarious to say that the MLS has prestige now, but you need that prestige to sell your brand because, you know, unlike, unlike Red Bulls and NYCFC where they're clearly both brand plays in a way, but they will tell you that it's not. The Cosmos was literally bought because of the brand, and then they decided to have a soccer team. That, that's literally what happened. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not pretending they aren't cashing in on a brand and cashing in on nostalgia. They're, they're very open about that, and that's what they're doing. Um, that brand would sell more in MLS is what I'm saying. And I would love to see three teams in the New York area. God, me too. My issue is the only people who would love that live in the New York area. The rest of the country... Be like, you got to be kidding me! You have three teams in New York, and you have no teams. You have no St. Louis. You got no San Diego. Like my counter no to that argument is: well, the counter is the same thing I said. You need ownerships, right? Need exactly. Ownership. If there's an ownership group here that wants to do it, and you can't find one somewhere else, tough. Deal with it. Put put your money where your mouth is. If you're St. Louis, yeah. Uh, but uh, I would love to see it happen, and also for for like the internet drama from it. Yeah, like, that'd be great. It would be tremendous. That'd be great. Everybody'd be all bent out of shape. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's also why I want the New York Cosmos to get their stadium deal before NYCFC gets theirs. Because I'm like, that's... Just because people get pissed, yeah. Oh, that's great internet drama. Articles out of Manchester say it's City Football Group's literal number one priority right now is the the MLS stadium. So we'll have to see how that plays out. So what that means is in 10 years we'll have a stadium site and no stadiums. Did you you read that thing that says uh, Patrick Vieira, they're openly saying that he's being groomed to coach Manchester City. Like he's to be their manager. I mean, are you surprised by that? I am a little bit, but now their move makes a bit more sense to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're, you need to, you're giving them a team. I mean, to... I, think that's, I think that's like five or six years down the road and not yeah, one this or two. Next, yeah, it's not next season, but that's, that's fascinating to me. But on the topic of stadiums in less than ideal conditions. There's not a ton to say about this except what the hell happened in Hawaii. U.S. Women's Ginger, did you see this? Women's national team match canceled because of the appalling field conditions. Go on the internet, Juniors, and just look this up. Hope Solo tweeted a photo. I'm sure others did as well. But just the state of the field at Aloha Stadium in Honolulu. And it looks atrocious. This is the field that Megan Rapino would have tore her MCL or ACL, whatever it was, during training for a friendly. Yeah. It's insane. Hazardous. Hazardous conditions. And this brings up a lot of points around, you know, there, there, was, some, there was some sort of speculation that, you know, three or four weeks before any uh, men's national team game, U.S. soccer representatives attend the site, check out the site, make sure everything is fine. No one visited the site until the weekend before the game. You still have sexism in soccer in America. Don't think for a second that just because we won the World Cup with our women's team and our men's team does not mean that they are still playing second fiddle to the men in all things, college, professional, uh, national teams, in all things they play second fiddle to the men. Um, This is an embarrassment to all parties involved. I know we have uh, people from a lot of walks of life listening to the podcast, a lot of different political positions, so on and so forth. These are American champions being treated like dirt. This is a problem. It's a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. This should never have happened. And you you hit on something very, very important there uh, that uh, is inexcusable. U.S. soccer, okay, that's the people who run this. It's like, why are you not taking this seriously? Where you show up like a couple days in advance to even check on, like, is this stadium up to stuff. Why was this picked then? Did anybody go? Did anybody look at it? And if it's not acceptable, why did it take so long? It was the day. Uh, was it the day of or the day before? But it was. It was right at the last minute that this game was canceled. I was like, this is horrible. Yeah, horrible all around. And I don't want to be confused here that this is a, a turf versus grass argument. It's not. I think no, with a proper that turf is an argument that should be made, but that's not what this argument I, is. I'm a firm believer that I think that the game can be played on turf if it's really good turf. I think turf technology has come a long way in the last five years, especially that, that that's a thing. But that's not the argument we're making here. We're making the argument because there have been terrible grass fields that both teams have played on. The men's national Oy. team in Texas played on an appalling grass, a temporary grass service. 
it's more. Oh, okay. You're talking about the uh, the Alamo Dome. Yes. That game. <sighs> Rough. Appalling. We, we won that game, but oh boy, we got an injury in that too. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. My point is is the accountability level that's provided by the soccer federation for our women's teams versus what's provided for our men's teams. It's a joke. This so is so rant over. Sorry. This is a World Cup winning team. This isn't like, oh, you know, we're doing this out of the charity of our heart. These are our champions. They won. We had a parade, we had a ticker tape parade in New York City for these people. We were there. We, we were there. Uh, I was quote unquote sick for work. I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was I was feeling I, real I, bad. I felt terrible, yeah. I felt terrible. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't work there anymore. I can get away with it. Yep. Uh this is not how you cheat. You treat American champions, and I don't care what it is that they've won. We don't treat uh, gold medal winners like this. Like we, we, we don't do this. Um, so it's very, very upsetting that I think U.S. soccer wasn't doing its due diligence to like make sure that the stadium is in the state that it should be. But I'm also going to blame the stadium authority in Honolulu. Why are you offering this? If this is the state it's going to be in. Now, I understand Honolulu, like a lot of states, like, hey, we got a tight budget. Things get cut. Obviously, maintaining a 60,000-seat football stadium is not a priority for the state government. I get it. However, we should not be trying to have world-class events here. Because like, if, if we can't do it, if, we, if, you, if it can't be maintained, if it can't be held to that standard, which I totally understand why it can't be. I get that. It's more important that you have schools. I totally understand and I support that decision. You can't try to sign these contracts for like, oh, we'll have the women's national team here. No. And this also is terrible for those Hawaiian fans. There were more than 20,000 tickets sold to this thing. I think you actually hit on a really good point just now, which is that, you know, in, in, in a positive light here, this entire incident goes to show that the women's national team is not going to be relegated to some high school field anymore. In, in a positive show of equality, this team now expects what they should expect, being professional athletes who represent the United States of America, the most wealthy nation on the planet. If you can't pay to get some decent grass put down on a field, don't invite these women here. Exactly. End of story. Just don't do it. And you know that, Stadium Authority. And they know the, it now. Well, they knew it before. Come yeah. on. You knew it before. The University of Hawaii plays on that state on that field. You know what the state of this field is. Yeah. In fact, why are we tolerating the University of Hawaii? There's so many questions. Like Nobody should be playing on this. It is a hazard. So I support the cancellation. I don't support that it took this long for this to happen. This should not have happened this late. If it was that bad to be unplayable, it's a turf field. This should have been known just by inspecting it. It wasn't like, oh, there was a monsoon happened right. and the field exactly. got washed away. Exactly. That's a different scenario. Or like, oh, a war broke out and we can't play here anymore. All of those are different scenarios. This was known and known for a while, or I should say could have been known for a while, and a lot of people have to answer for it. So surprised to no one, there's rumors now that the lawyers are getting involved. Of course. That U.S. soccer, of course, is blaming the stadium authority, and it's only a matter of time before the stadium authority blames U.S. soccer. And it's going to be nasty, folks. And don't be surprised if some group of these people who bought these tickets for this game that they never got to see and may never have a chance to see the U.S. women's team live ever again in their lives... They may have something to say about this. It's a mess, and it all could have been avoided, and it's very upsetting. That being said, if they come and play over at Red Bull Arena, I'll come back down. I'll go see that. Of course you will. One last note before we get to some quick points here, Gingers. Some people got arrested in Switzerland. Ooh! Apparently, what is it, $118 million worth of bribes, or $118 million pounds worth of bribes bought Qatar the World Cup. I mean, duh. I mean, I, <laughs> is that not a takeaway here? I'm sorry. I feel like, why else would you put it in the desert? <laughs> it, made, oh, it made no sense at the time. That was everybody's thought at the time. Like, they must like, have wait, bought what? this. Everyone knew they bought it from moment one. As from soon as it happened, one, you're like, this you is You knew they legit. bought it. Yes. I remember watching that thing. As soon as it happened, I'm like, they, this, they cheated. You know how we know <laughs> that? We're Americans. That's what we do. <laughs> If we're better at it, we're frankly. way better. We're, we do it way on the down low. You would never know. We knew. You'd never know. It would look super <laughs> legitimate. Uh, so, 
first of all, yeah. the feeling of corrupt people being arrested is one of the great emotional It's justice highs. porn, man. It's justice porn. Oh, just so often, you know, that like when a, a very wealthy, a very powerful person gets accused of something, you're like, yeah, but nothing's really going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then nothing happens or they get a slap on the wrist or whatever. But when people are really getting arrested and they're really getting sent places, and they're getting it's like, oh, this is great. But that also shows how unbelievably huge and just unapologetically terrible it is where the government has to say, we're not going to put up with this. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're just, we're not going to put up with it. But they did for so long. That's the amazing part. Oh, so long. FIFA so- was laughably corrupt for 20 years. Uh, and, and you're being very, very charitable by limiting it to 20. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For a long time. And it was so obvious. But it was obvious in the – from a legal standpoint, the, the hearsay obvious. Like there's these evidences of like how did Qatar get this? Like it makes no sense. But you couldn't prove it. You had nothing hard. You had no hard evidence. Now they have hard evidence. And because none of these people are what I would call good criminals, they're all gonna talk everyone's gonna cut a deal every single person you arrested is not gonna want to go to a federal prison in the united states or anywhere else for that matter they're gonna talk to the u.s attorney and try to get a deal and they'll sell anyone up a river it is only a matter of time before sep bladder gets carried away in handcuffs i'll see you at the world cup final in 2022 in metlife stadium jeff (laughs) (laughs) i look forward to it it'll be great It'll be great. A couple quick points, Gingers, before we uh, get to some ginger mail and some quiet time. Uh, new DC United badge. I'm a massive fan of the new DC United badge. It does not look like it was designed in MS Paint anymore. It has a <laughs> font that is respectable now. It's clean. Looks good. Your thoughts? So, I didn't hate the old badge. I know you didn't. I'm going to go on the record and say this. But this new one is sharp as it hell. It is nice. Really There's like nice. an alternate one where it doesn't actually have the shield part. It's mm-hmm. like on it's some of the women's like clothes. Black and white it's, it's just the eagle. It looks really nice. It looks very, very sharp. Uh, it's worth pointing out that this is a leaked image, but it has a, oh, all Oh, no. The... It's out now. It's oh, out. Is it out now? You can okay, buy I'm stuff at with it stuff. on it. Oh, I'm looking at the old <laughs> stuff. All right. Well, great. It looks great. It yeah. Looks, and I like that the eagle looks mean, like the eagle on the flag of Albania. I love that look where it's like, oh, this eagle's going to kill you. <laughs> Bad news. Yeah. This, this is a good shield. I like this. And once again, we all slowly turn our heads and look at New England and <laughs> just let out a deep sigh <laughs> and then return to whatever it was you were yep. doing. Yep. Good I think Lord. they're sponsored by Crayola, and they just haven't told anyone. Good Lord. Did that even look good in the 90s? No! It looked stupid <laughs> then! I feel like it never looked good. Jesus. It's ridiculous. Oh, so bad. And then uh, 20, the- two, 20 owners sat around and said, no, nah, I'm good, except for one who picked up Michael Azera <laughs> <laughs> in the waiver draft. There are 12 different ways to it's acquire incredible. players in MLS. I mean, we, you got to cut these down. Like, like, this happened the last time the waiver draft happened. And, like, nobody picked anyone up or they pick up one person. Like, what is the point of this? Let's skip this. Because clearly, no, the, here's the catch. With the waiver draft, when you pick up a player, that player immediately moves to your roster. And you now have to pay them whatever their old contract was. There's, there's not a renegotiation period. Everybody wants to renegotiate. Both the players do, because they're hoping to get more, and the clubs do, they're hoping to pay less. Uh, or they don't like the term, something. Yeah. N- nobody likes this. It- it's not helping anyone. You get one player, this is ridiculous. What a waste of time. I will say this, and I've said it before we need to get rid of uh, the allocation rankings. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I understand why they existed, and it made sense when it was done. But it has overstayed its welcome. For you, gingers, you don't, and I don't blame you either, don't dive deep into what the various rules and and, uh, eccentricities of MLS are. The allocation ranking determines who's going to get first crack at U.S. men's national team players coming back to the league. And you can trade your allocation rankings and determine by, you know, how how well you played, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, The reasoning behind it 
is you didn't want the New Yorks and LAs of the world to have all the star players when they come back, and none of the other teams do. Like, that was the reason why. And it made sense, because you would have ended up with all of the U.S. national team players playing in the big cities. You would have wound up with the NASL part, too. Yeah. The original and, NASL. Exactly. Exactly. You did it backwards, but you got there. You fixed it. Yeah. You fixed it. That time has passed. We're now seeing teams in Seattle and Toronto, elsewhere. Like, they could have, like, they could have gotten these players in an open market. Yeah. They were willing to pay. Uh, and with these other restrictions you have, you can only have X number of designated players, even though Tam is throwing things in my head, but there's still limits to what you can do and where you can do it, and there's a salary cap limit. All that other stuff would prevent a given team from dominating the amount of U.S. men's national team players who want to come play. You wouldn't be able to get all of them. It's not possible. You can't fill a roster of 11 with those players. So what, if anything is the allocation ranking doing other than frustrating U.S. men's national team players from coming back at all and frustrating teams from getting players like, you know so-and-so wants to play for you, but you're ranked you know, number 10, and you're not willing to do a trade with whoever's ranked number one because they want your star player. Like That's what they want for that spot. It just seems ridiculous to me. I agree. We got a couple of pieces of ginger mail this week. Ooh. Gingers. Ooh. Our first one's from a guy named Dave, who I believe is a first-time writer. First of all, he, su- he submitted, we'll get to br- very briefly who the winner of the Quotably Red contest is, but he submitted uh, that it has to be Alex, king of the mushroom people. Anything that leaves you that speechless has to be at the top. But then he writes, just wanted to reassure you guys that you have some fans out in Portland. The real Portland, Jeff, my seatmate. For Timbers Games, and I both listen to the pod, been listening for most of the season, and love you guys for your humor. Thanks. That's mostly Jeff. I do have to question anyone who follows NYCFC. Screw you. But you guys are fun to listen to. And obviously, Jeff is the man. I don't, he has a love-hate relationship with you, Jeff, as far as I can tell. Went against most of the pundits and picked our beloved Timbers for the win and even nailed the score. If you guys ever get out here for a match, you won't regret it. We'll take care of you. Dave in Portland, Oregon in capital letters. Thank you, Dave. Doesn't he have his fun fact? Oh, yeah, and the fun fact is that Portland, Oregon was named because of a one-coin toss between two guys from Portland, Maine, and Boston, Mass. It could have been Boston, Oregon. I'm just assuming that's correct. I've never heard that in my life. I'll believe it. I'll believe it at face value. How about you? <laughs> I'm choosing to just assume. Yeah, me too. That is accurate. Well, thank you very much, Dave. As we know, I am the better man here between Alex and I, so I'm on board with you. Uh, and it was my pleasure to pick the, of course, obvious winner uh, in the West Cup. Uh, it was it was easy, really. I, I don't know why the other pundits and Alex Kibler couldn't see the truth, but uh, I could. Also, we do need to find a way out to, to Portland. I would. I've been to Portland once. I walked by Providence Park. There was no game going we on. We vow to travel more next season, Gingers. That's something that's on our docket here. We got to uh, get out there. I mean, so if we come out, we remember this man's email address. We're, we're, we're I will certainly do that. And we also have another email from a longtime writer, Nikki. He says, hello, Jeff and Alex. Hello. I really hope y'all record the podcast. He says y'all like he's me. Uh, the podcast on Wednesday evenings and not Tuesday. Otherwise, his email, my tweets will be have been pretty late. I didn't really know how to approach this email because of all the stuff that it could be about, like free agency, the fact that the Timbers mm-hmm. finally brought the cup home to the Pacific Northwest, or mm-hmm. the fact that the Galaxy were able to do what Jeff and I had been asking for weeks and fire Donovan Ricketts into the sun. Oh, great move, by the way. Great move by them. 100%. Instead of all that, I just want to thank you, too. This little soccer podcast that I stumbled onto because of Jeff's audition post to the RMLS subreddit months ago that Still turned one of the highest posts, by the way. Yeah, baby. That turned into the American Soccer Show hashtag Dadass, which then morphed into the eventual juggernaut that is straight red. It's not a juggernaut. Has been great fun listening to over the course of this season. The hashtag War on Alex. Alex's continued hope for an eventual failure of NYCFC and the intelligent and witty commentary about the insanity that is MLS helped me through a rough year and it taught me a lot about the league and the sport too. For that, I cannot thank you guys enough. Have a wonderful off-season hiatus. In parentheses, don't cancel the show, okay? Thanks. Yeah, Nicholas we re- Grayson. We need to remember that we're, we're doing the show again in a month. <laughs> yeah, we should probably forget. put that on my calendar. Nikki, thank you. Thank you, Gingers, for listening to this. Oh, my God. We get responses get a from prize all just for sticking around. Yeah, we'll have to work on that. Um, 
Thank you, Jennifer, for sticking with us. We'll be back bigger, better than ever with merch and all kinds of great things, like a website oh next season. It's going to be great. Oh, my God. I know. Can you believe it? Am but I doing any of this? Or <laughs> I hope so. But until mm, that I time. I, I don't know. I'll just sleep it off. It is now time for everyone's favorite part of the show, Quiet Time with Jeff. Jeff, what do you have for the gingers this evening? Sometimes your hillbilly coworker <laughs> will say, oh, you like soccer? Oh, we need to do a podcast because he used to have a speech impediment. But yeah. <laughs> I've come a long way. <laughs> You've come a long way. You've made tremendous strides. Yeah. Uh, your hillbilly coworker will ask you to do a soccer podcast, and you'll be very upfront about how you'll only do it if all you have to do is show up and speak. And to his credit, that was almost true. <laughs> it was largely true. It was mostly true. Although very early in the podcast's existence, he made you fly to Florida. <laughs> We're going again go, next week. Week, not week. Year. A game in Orlando, a city you hadn't been to in like over a decade. But I got to admit, every now and then, Agreeing to a hillbilly's fever dream <laughs> turns out yeah. sort of okay. Thank you, Alex, for taking me on this terrible journey. Thank you, Jeff. It's been an honor to serve the ginger public. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Uh, that's what they're called now. Oh, congratulations. <coughs> oh, I just coughed. On congratulations. Happy holidays <laughs> and go forth and soccer, gingers. an Alex Kibler out there somewhere tonight who needs $700,000 that you desperately want to help? If so, call us. I thought it was funny. Jeff didn't think it was very funny. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Dude, Josh! Um, Come on! (laughs) Yes!